Hey, everyone, we got a great episode for you today. Episode number 80. I never thought we were going to make it this far, but thank you for all the support to this point. But we want to keep growing. So what we need from you, the listeners, is go on iTunes, give us a five-star review, write a review. It would be a huge help. Thank you so much. Let's get into the episode. Keep on this is Peak Keep Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm doing fine, but I'm a little bit worried about you, I gotta be honest, because all day long, I'm in like four different group chats with you, and you are telling anybody who will listen that you gotta go all in on the Red Sox tonight, the Red Sox are gonna win, I mean... Have you lost your mind today? Like, did Tonight's something snap tonight. today Tonight's and you just night. you just lost your mind and was like, all of a sudden think the Red Sox are good? Like, I don't, I don't know what to think. I'm a little bit worried about you. I haven't told people to bet on the Red Sox all season. Tonight's the night. They are winning tonight and they are winning big. Put your bets in. The game starts in 45 minutes. Let's go, Red Sox. They're winning tonight. Tonight's my pick. Go, Red right. Sox. Okay. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I kind of had a, a rough day. Uh, and if you guys don't mind, I might use this as a little like self-therapy here and just kind of go over a few things with you that happened today. So there was a squirrel in the neighborhood. And it was like going crazy. And it was like running up on people and jumping on people's legs and stuff. And it bit somebody, supposedly. So we all seemed to have rabies. I'm like doing my work. I'm doing my own thing. I get pulled outside to the hubbub, you know, to this chaos going on on here. And, you know, we decide we should probably catch this squirrel. And so we catch it in a box, call animal control. They're not going to do anything about it. So now we have two options. We let the squirrel go or we, you know, we get rid of the squirrel. And so we thought we couldn't let it go because we just, you know, we just didn't want to wreck destruction on the neighborhood. And so I and my downstairs neighbor, we were kind of the only ones left at the moment. People were kind of running off to places. And so I'm not going to go into details here, but I had to just dispose of the squirrel. And like, oh, it no. was one of the most difficult things I have ever done. It was brutal. I was like having PTSD all day, just hearing, you know, the squirrel sounds from, from the process. But um, it was tough, boys. It was tough. What is, what is wrong with you? I was saving the neighborhood. There was You're a, a murder. There was a terror on the loose. Gonna just destroy cats and dogs and small children. How how did you determine that the squirrel had rabies? So it was crazy. Like it was. I mean, I don't know if it had rabies, but there was something super wrong with it because it literally would like chase after you and it would jump up on your leg and stuff. And people were like kicking it off it. You know, squirrels. They should be scared of humans, right? This mm-hmm. thing is jumping on people, it's jumping on cats and stuff. Like our neighbors have cats that kind of walk around outside. Um, it was just like way too, you wasn't scared of humans. And it was, it was like aggressively, you know, jumping on people. How, how did you catch the squirrel? So it was easy because it came right at you, right? It's not like you're chasing <laughs> after a squirrel. And this guy just wanted to be friends with you, Trent. See, that was, that's my concern. You know, when I, oh, when I go no. to the pearly gates, is it like, 
he killed a friendly squirrel because it was being friendly. It was like the first squirrel to be so friendly. Or did I do it for the good of, you know, the neighborhood? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this is, tough, is depressing. I say, we, I say we move I, on real quick. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the rest of the show with you. Can you can you shut your camera off so I don't have to look you in the eyes for the rest of the show? <laughs> I don't even like looking myself in the eyes at this point. I, I got a I like lot of you, repenting to do. I like how you came to us for therapy and we just shit on you for <laughs> five straight minutes. That's probably what, what did needed. you expect? so i I have a little story guys um so i was at the grocery store yesterday and i was walking through the grocery store i was finishing up just kind of getting some last couple things getting ready to to kind of get in line and check out and i see this i you know i'd say middle-aged to older you know he's not an old guy but an older gentleman you know wearing a bowerman track club t-shirt and a nike oregon project hat not something you see every day, especially from, you know, a middle-aged to older guy. You might see, you know, a, you know, a young track nerd wearing that or, or whatever. And my first thought is like, that's kind of, that's kind of strange. You don't usually see that. Just a guy decked out in all, all, you know, all types of this team track gear. And I was like, well, maybe he works for Nike or something and he just has all this gear and he walks by me. He's wearing sock and shoes. I was like, okay, so we're going to rule that out. This guy's just a fan of the sport. You know, maybe he was a runner uh, at one point in his, in his life, and now he's, he's a coach or he's just a fan of the sport. And I made, you know, we had, we had he's, wearing a, he's wearing a Bowerman Track Club shirt. We had Evan Jager on the podcast last week. We got Vanessa Frazier on the podcast this week. I was like, if I get an opportunity, I got I to gotta tell this guy about a podcast. I keep, I keep little peak too early business cards in my wallet, and I pulled one. I was like, if he gets near me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him one of these and tell him about the podcast. And I had my opportunity. I was in line and the guy comes in right behind me in line to, to check out. And I turned around, gave him a little nod and smile and I check it out. I didn't give him the business card. Oh, and so, Steve. well, well, so here's Ooh. the thing. And so I'm like, I'm checking out and I'm like distraught at my, I'm distraught. I'm like, I'm like, why did I, why did I chicken out? Like I, this is a grassroots effort. We're trying to build this podcast. I should be telling anybody that's willing to listen to me about this podcast. Like, why didn't I just give the guy the business card? And I had a much larger, um, you know, basket than he did. He was kind of in and out. And so I'm like hustling through checking out, checking out. And he's like on his way to the parking lot. And so I hustle out of the grocery store. I dump my cart near my car and I run up to him in the parking lot and I with my business car and I'm like excuse me sir and I kind of startled him a little bit he kind of whips around he's like what the hell is this kid doing and I was like I noticed you wearing a uh, you know a Bowerman track club shirt we had Evan Jagger on our podcast this week we had we have Vanessa Frazier on the podcast this you know coming up on our on our next episode and I give him the, the card I was like you should check it out and he gave me like the weirdest look in the world he's like oh, okay <laughs> he just got in his car and drove away so sir if you if you are listening to the podcast if you're a fan of peak too early now uh sorry i didn't mean to to weird you out in the parking lot i was just you know trying to get the word across so what are what are the more realistic reasons that he was wearing that gear like my first thought is like lost and found right like he found that gear and like a lost and found savers or but he was wearing (laughs) but he was wearing like you could tell that he was like into running culture right because he had a he had like a he had a fresh pair of like sockany shoes on right like a pair that you could tell that you know maybe he's not 
maybe those aren't his shoes that he's going to run in, but those are his kick around shoes or whatever. You could tell, like you can, you look at somebody, even if they're a former runner, you can tell that they're into like the running culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my other theory is like his kid is a high school runner and is like super into the sport and like a huge Craig Engels fan. And this is the dad trying to relate to his son. So he doesn't actually know the Bowerman track club and the gear he's wearing, but he's trying to like be cool with his son. So that's why he's got all that gear. That's my other one. Makes sense. How about this for a theory? Bowerman track club is such a part of mainstream American culture. Everyone's coming up to him all the time and being like, Hey, you love your t-shirt, right? It's like wearing a Red Sox hat these days, having a Bowerman track club shirt on. How about that? Trent, we're supposed to be coming up with realistic theories here. <laughs> Listen, we have a lot of Bowerman Track Club <laughs> fans listening to this episode. It's a very realistic possibility. But hey, hey, we're we're huge BTC guys now. We Evan are. Yeager, we are. We we squashed our beef. You know, we we talked a lot of shit about Bowerman Track Club, but we had Evan on. He was super frank, and I think our beef is squashed. Oh, hundred percent squashed. Hundred percent. And I mean, yeah, I mean, and 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 you know, I. I definitely freaked the guy out. It was definitely like a weird situation in the parking lot, but I left knowing that if I left that grocery store, if I left that parking lot without going up to that guy, without saying something to him, without giving him a business card, I would have hated myself. Like I wouldn't have been able to go to sleep last night. So I'm happy I did. Also, it's preposterous that he responded like that. I mean, the guy's wearing like some super obscure <laughs> gear, right? And even like you said, like maybe it's his kid. Then you say, oh, you know, I don't even know these people. My kid's a huge fan or whatever. Like you're wearing sure. such a niche thing for someone to come up and like recognize that and pull it out and give you the podcast like our Steve, maybe you just really freaked him out because you like rolled your groceries across the parking lot yeah. and like, <laughs> smashed a Mercedes Benz and he didn't want anything to do with you. But that is a preposterous response. In his defense, he was like, you could tell he was in a hustle, right? He was trying to run in and out and, and get something and w- whether it was get back to work, get back home, you could tell that, that he was hustling a little bit. And, you know, we're in, we're in the time of pandemic. Everybody's got a mask on. You're not supposed to be getting close to each other. You're not supposed to be handing things to each other from, you know, it's probably been sitting in my wallet for a couple months now. So it, 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 I'm kind of breaking some social rules right now and doing that. So I understand where where his kind of startledness and his attitude came from you know what i mean this uh this brings back memories i remember mike was telling us he was at i think it was club cross nationals oh god and you were throwing magnets on people's cars and people were just like watching you do it and that just kind of weird yeah you're breaking kind of a social code there by going to people's cars at a place like that steve to 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 that point i totally understand like the nervousness to give it to him when you're in line because that magnet fiasco at Club Cross was one of the more like, like uncomfortable experiences of my entire life. Just running around like defacing people's vehicles, and I mean, it was it was definitely not a comfortable experience for me. Yeah, but um, it, it, and sir, if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now, DM us on Instagram, on Twitter, find us, reach out. We definitely love to hear from you. Love to hear why you're such a a big uh, BTC or you know, the, the club formerly known as Nike Oregon Project fan. So, all right, Mike, let's kick off the running news. All right, gentlemen, so we got a few stories to talk about here. And I'm going to start with this one because I'm positive that Trent knows nothing about it. Because in, in fairness to you, I did update the show notes like an hour before the show. So 
the the chances of you reading the show notes in the first place are not great but when i update them that that you know shortly you know there's only so much you can do but i was reading an article and it sounds like all things are pointing to because d1 ncaa just passed you know this uh platform that cross country is going to happen this winter now there's still concerns and you know schools and programs are still kind of back and forth but at this point it is official that cross country is starting in mid-january and that the division one national championship is going to be held on march 15th mark your calendars boys it's happening so when we talked about this a couple weeks ago we were all kind of excited at the prospect of of winter cross country which will which i still think could be cool as long as they run it on the fields they don't make it a road race um but having talked about the the invitationals that we're going to get into in a minute on the podcast last week i got all excited for fall cross country and i just the flips the, the switch flipped and i'm in the mindset of of fall cross country now and the thing about about march 15th let's see that's two days before st patrick's day right something like that yeah yeah two days before i think yes two days before st patrick's day to me that's road race season. Like I, when I think about March, when I think about running in March, I think about running your St. Patrick's day road races. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if I can get into, to a March cross country championship. Oh, I mean, we were that, we were that, we just were in awe that Steve had that kind of negative reaction that nobody had anything to say there. So it's okay. Trent, I'll go ahead. Usually the transition goes like, I read the news, Steve <laughs> gives his take, you give your take, and then I go. But it's okay, I'll hop in there, I'll save wait, the wait, show wait. here. No, normally, no, go ahead. normally I go right after Steve, but you had your mouth open like you were about to speak. Like no, I had my like mouth open. Mid-thought. I had my mouth open because I am shocked at how negative Steve is being about this. Okay, I'm being this negative, is, I know. This is the guy who I started the show dumbfounded because he's so positive on the Red Sox tonight. And he's crapping on you know spring cross country listen we're not gonna have indoor track it's just not gonna happen and we're getting a cross country national championship i would trade an outdoor national championship an indoor national championship for cross country national championship we're getting it it's gonna be awesome like cheer up steve this is gonna be great it's gonna be great i'm add it to my my march madness calendar we're just gonna make march the greatest sports month in the history of the world, it's going to be amazing. So are they doing away with indoor track? Is that, is that kind at, of the at thing? At this point, yes. There is no plans for indoor track. Especially the, the inside, you know, the small. Yeah, you can't do it. Facilities like that. Yeah, I say, I kind of agree with Mike on this one. Let's ignore all the fine details about who's going to be there, who's not. What does the SEC do now that we're all in on the SEC cross-country season? And now it's going to be like a six-month racing season. <laughs> that's <so laughs> but true. But that's, oh that's details to worry about down the line. Let's be excited as winter cross. And where is, where is Nationals? Anybody know? No idea. Okay, we've got to get a sports and research on FI, yeah. uh, department on that. But I hope it's not like in Florida, right, or Arizona. Let's put it somewhere where it's going to be a little chilly out there. It's going to be, you know, some snow on the ground. And let's have some real winter XC. I think it's awesome. I think especially with the, the chances of indoor track happening being so low to just throw this out there into winter is something different here. We're going to see some, I don't know, like what the invitational schedule is going to look like. Are we going to see just like new invitationals popping up? I got no idea what the structure's going to look like. But it's stuff to be excited for. We should be 
we are, except for Steve, excited for winter cross country. Listen, as a small business owner, as somebody that that has a road race the week before St. Patrick's Day. I knew that. I'm not when you pumped started talking about, about the road national race championship season. getting pushed to the week after my road race. I just can't, I just can't have that. You know, my, in my, that time of year, early March, all of March needs to be focused on the road race world. So, so we can get as much participation and at the Irish club as possible. That's right. Running world. Everyone, be pissed off about cross country because we have the Irish Clover March. But Trey, you bring up a great point. The SEC has already started running cross country and I love it, right? This is a great point because when March rolls around and now us being massive SEC fans, it is going to, I mean, is there anything more exhilarating in sports than having something to like whine and complain about? So if our teams, if our SEC teams are not doing well in January, February and March, we have we already have a built-in excuse mm. that they were running cross country, you know, starting in September. So I love it. I I needed that. I'm I'm fired up. This is the other conferences like getting back, just taking taking their frustration out that they couldn't figure out cross country That's right. out on the SEC. I mean, you couldn't figure jealousy. out, but the SEC could. So why is the SEC being punished out of this? They already started their season. We already had the Mountain Dew Invitational last weekend, and now they're told their national championship is six months away. You're so right, Mike. That's bullshit. Speaking of the SEC, Mike, should we get into uh, some results from this past weekend? Yeah, we should. So. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop the SEC theme song right here. Our news segment uh, to recap SEC cross country. Let's do it. All right. So the first meet we're going to preview here is the Vanderbilt Commodore classic where we had some, powerhouse teams duking it out and Trent how'd you feel about that race no going to me first now oh, yeah because I don't want to hear Steve's takes on it I have no take on this race I do not know what happened <laughs> uh, I was <laughs> that's exactly vacation that's mode. exactly why I, I went got to you show first. notes late uh besides I got my team Florida I've fallen them I don't I don't need to worry about what Vanderbilt's doing at their Commodore Classic this early in the season all right, Steve. Do you have any takes, boys? Do All right, I that was know some good takes from Steve. Em, baby. Let's, let's move on to the next to... race here. All right, all right. <laughs> Kentucky with the win on the men's and the women's side, putting top five on in the top ten on both the men's and the women's side. We got my guy Matt Duval, freshman, winning the race. Freshman coming out of nowhere to take the W, guys. I am so pumped up on my Wildcats. Let's go, Kentucky. I'm all, I'm, I'm all in on Kentucky. What a, what a race. What a race. All right. So I've, I've got some things to say on this. So on the men's side, right, Missouri is running four freshmen here. And I don't know if that's by design. I don't know if we're resting guys or sitting guys. But this is like a three-meet calendar cross-country season that we got going here. If we're sitting guys this early, I'm going to lose my mind. If I find out next week that we had some studs running who didn't run in this race, I'm going to go berserk. But also, I mean, you look at this, this drop off. We went three, five, seven, eight. That's our top four right there. I'm feeling really good about that. And then we dropped from three, five, seven, eight to 19, 24, 27. 
Kentucky got their entire team in between our fourth and our fifth. That's right. I baby. mean, how, how are you, you're not going to win cross country meets like that. Everyone knows that that gap between the fourth and the fifth. I mean, you're only as good as your slowest guy that just can't happen. The exact same thing happens on the woman's side. We have two seven right off the top and then it just completely falls off the, off the wagon and Kentucky is able to put their top seven in, but before our fourth girl. So, I mean, what a pack, listen to this pack. Five, six, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen. I mean, that's that's just pack running right there. You gotta love it. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, tough first weekend for me as a Mizzou fan. Uh, we got some work to do. Luckily, it's early. We've seen what we gotta see now. We've seen their stuff, and uh, you know, I, I I'm not giving up yet. I don't feel like it's over. But with that said, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. In, in the in the boys and girls this weekend. Mike, maybe your uh, team had some inside birdies with them. No nationals wasn't for six months. So they're just taking I mean, it easy. True. They're out tempo and Steve's out here just, you know, shooting his shot, you know, in September right now. He's got oh, he's I did a long research. way away. Well, Trent, do you do you have uh, hit the, uh, do you have any, at the uh, Mountain, uh, at the Mountain Dew Invitational? Yeah, Florida we can skip finished. that one. Florida finished dead last <laughs> at the at the Mountain Dew Invitational. Yeah, they got smoked. You know, you know, when you're trying to find the recap, right? This is not like a big enough meet where it's hard to find, you know, some real results. Um, but they, they, the writers, right, for the schools, the, the SID department who's trying to write it up, it's clear that Florida didn't run their best, their best guys and ladies on this one. You know, strong performances from newcomers, that type of thing. That means they just put the freshmen out there, right? Um, but hearing the recaps from just the SID department is pretty funny sometimes with this stuff. Uh, not worried about Florida. Their women's team didn't even have enough runners to finish the race. Um, because again, they knew nationals are so far out. So they're not going all out this early on the men's side. We have some good promising freshmen, uh, but it really, you know, it's clear their, their eyes are set on the prize. Their eyes are not set on the Mountain Dew Invitational. Um, despite the epic sponsor, if you can stay focused enough on the real goals, which is, you know, nationals is a very Bowerman track club mindset right here. They're staying focused on the big goals, even when Mountain Dew comes to town and sponsors and meet and they don't, you know, settle out to win that, that means, you know, your team is, has the, the right focus that's needed uh, to perform this year. Yeah. So, uh, and then at the SEC championship preview meet Arkansas on the men and women's side, taking the title, not really much of a surprise there. Arkansas and Ole Miss went one, two in both. I mean, you know, that's the top dogs right there. That's the, you know, our footballs, you know, Alabama and uh, Clemson right there. They're going to be, you know, dominating at the top of the sport, but they went off. They did their own meet. They didn't want to come to the, to the, the Vandy meet. Really? Florida, Florida didn't want to show up either. So yeah, I mean, it was a good first week of uh, SEC cross country. I'm excited to get dive deeper into it. And, uh, uh, you know, Mizzou's got to figure it the hell out. Do we have a date for the SEC championship yet? We do, yeah. Give me Are a- they going to do it now that a, a championship was announced in March? Well, that's a good question. I haven't heard anything. I mean, I, I'm assuming since it's already scheduled, it looks like it's October 30th is the October SEC championship. 30th. So it's right around the corner, which is enough time for them to run that meet and kind of regroup and start getting oh, ready absolutely. for it. You know, I mean, it's like it's like transitioning is, from cross country to indoor track. Is there is there any information about possible TV coverage or anything like that? Does it say? 
It doesn't say. Okay. Um, well, we got to figure out. We got to figure out how to watch this meet. Are we going I'm, down to the south for this? I mean, I'm not opposed to it. Could be, be a fun little road trip. That would be a hell of a road trip. <laughs> I actually think this is going to suit up nice for the SEC, though. I know they got screwed in this whole thing, and we'll we'll continue to say that um, if they don't perform well at nationals. But it's kind of fun, right, to have just a conference season for these first two months, where you're just kind of like a high school dual meet type of thing, right? You're only sure. racing the other teams in your neighborhood, and then they can take a break, totally, you know, restart their training process. Like they can really peak for cross country nationals take a few weeks off and then really, I mean, sorry, SEC nationals, take a few weeks off and then get going again. So I, I kind of like the element there where it's just kind of really do some head to heads, some small meets, take a break and then go after, you know, the big stuff. Agreed. All right. Any last takes on uh, SEC cross country? Nope. Just, uh, just pumped about my, about my boys and, and gals. I think we're, we're heading in the right direction. Alrighty, so last news story here before we get into our interview. We'll go through this quickly here. Our guy, Chris Robertson, uh, breaking the two-mile beer, the beer two-mile world record in a time of 10-18 flying. And I guess my question to you guys is, what is more impressive, his two-mile beer two-mile or his American record beer mile? So I actually, I actually thought about this quite a bit after I saw it because I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the two-mile time. It, uh, 10.18, right? 10.18, flying. So, I mean, like when, you, like when you really think about like what goes into like a sub 440 beer mile, like it just doesn't make sense, you know, how, how fast you need to run, how fast you need to chug. It's, just, it's like in your brain that just doesn't add up. Five minute beer mile, five five oh five, five oh eight minute beer mile isn't that much slower. It's you know, it's it's still a very respectable time. To do that twice in a row is just mind boggling. Like I don't understand how a human is capable of doing that. And I'm gonna go out on limit here and say that I think the two mile is way more impressive than the one mile. I agree with you, Steve. See that there, Mike? I, I went after Steve, got the order we'll down. But no, I agree with you, Steve. This is a transition from just like a, like almost like a scientific athletic feat where you figure out, you know, how fast you can chug the beer, the right technique, you, you've trained yourself to run whatever Chris can run. I know he's not, you know, like a, one of the elite runners out there, but he's got the whole package. Um, he's still running like low four miles. But when you turn it into a two mile, I mean, that's eight freaking beers, right? Like you're pretty much running buzz to drunk at that point. I mean, it's not like it's kicked in totally, but like that's definitely having like a real physiological effect on you. Or you can kind of like ignore that part when you're just, you know, doing the beer mile. But when you have eight beers in your stomach and you're running down that last 400, it's, it's just like, it just is a step beyond the beer mile. It's, it's a physical, like scientific feat of figuring out all the details. Anomaly. And, yeah. And it, it turns into this just like, I don't even know what it is. It, it's, it's barely athletics anymore. It's just, you know, superhuman. Yeah. I mean, eight beers in 10 minutes by itself. Is, is incredibly impressive i mean i don't i don't think you know your above average drinker is doing that right i mean i think that's like elite drinking on its own and then to do it within a two mile now i think chris will probably be the first one to tell you that like this doesn't hold a candle to his beer mile because the beer mile is a worldwide event and it's you know highly sought after a world record highly competitive he kind of went after something that's 
you know, I don't know if there was a like a, a super elite record on the books at this point. But with that said, I mean, if the beer two mile became a legitimate event and people started racing it, I mean, Chris Robinson is your immediate Overwhelming favorite. favorite. Yeah, I mean, holy crap, that is fast. So the idea of drinking eight you know, 5% beers in 10 minutes makes me want to throw up just thinking about it. And then having to run that fast. Uh, yeah. Count, <laughs> count me out on that one. I think in life, we're all looking for that one thing that we're like really, really good at. Like, I feel like if you search, if you search hard enough and long enough, you're going to find something that you're better than most people at in the world. Chris is lucky enough to have found that he is, he, he is better than anybody at the world anybody in the world at drinking and running two miles. Like, I don't think that anybody else has the the physical ability to do that. Like I want to see, like, I want to see Cora Bellamore do this now. I want to see, I want to see some of the top contenders try to do this because I just, I can't wrap my brain around it. Like, and I don't know how, I don't think somebody else could do this. And I love Chris's approach to it right now. I feel like over the pandemic and stuff like that, where, racing has kind of gone out the window and there's not really much to train for. He's just decided to go all out on, you know, his beer miling, his beer two miling. And just, he's, I think he just saw this as an opportunity. He's like, this is my one opportunity to really focus on this, go after some records and cement myself as, you know, one of the greatest of all time to do this stuff. And I mean, that's exactly what he's doing. He's, he's inspiring us all to reach further and dream bigger than we ever thought was possible. You know, if there's something that you thought you could never obtain, just shoot higher, you know, and then maybe you can do it like, like Chris Robertson. That was beautifully said, Trent. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I, think, I think on that note. It's, it's inspiration. Yeah, on that note, that's all we got for the news. All right, let's get into our interview with Vanessa Fraser. <clears throat> All right, let's get into our interview with Vanessa Frazier. She's a Stanford alum, and she's a member of the Bowerman Track Club, our second BTC athlete in a row. So uh, it was a great conversation. Let's talk to her. Thank you so much for making some time to to chat with us tonight. Where, Where are you at right now? I'm at my parents' home in California right now, um, and then I'll be going back to Oregon on Sunday, actually, for fall training. Nice. So, I, you know, let's start off with start off with this. So, you had an, a great indoor season. You ran a you ran a five k PR BU right in our right in our backyard here, best indoor track in the country. And the next thing I know, you're in not one but two walking boots. What happened? <laughs> Um, well, just to back up a little bit, I had been dealing with heel pain for about three years and I had, um, just really bad insertional Achilles tendinopathy, bursitis and Haglund's deformities on both of my heel bones. And probably in the last like year and a half, ever since I turned pro and was doing Jerry's training, obviously it was like way more intense and higher volume it was just getting progressively worse. And I was doing like everything in the books to try to manage it, like shockwave therapy, all different anti-inflammatories. Um, and I got saline injections in January, which I don't really understand how it works, but it's just salt water 
that separates the tendon from the bone and somehow there's less friction and it doesn't hurt as bad. And it was like a miracle. I didn't have pain for six weeks. I remember like I went on my first run after getting those injections and I was like, holy crap, I forgot how much I actually like running. Like this is what it feels like to run and enjoy it. I had like, it had been so long since I felt that way. And then obviously I think I was able to take my training to the next level in the month of February and had that breakthrough race um, and just seeing what it was like to not have the monkey on my back of pain um, and like see what I was able to do without that was really eye-opening. And then unfortunately, pretty much the week after that big breakthrough 5k, um, the pain just came back with a vengeance and yeah, I mean, I guess the, the saline injections only work for so long. And then pretty much COVID happened right then as well. Um, and then a couple weeks later, the Olympic postponement was announced. And so as soon as that happened, I was like, you know, I can't just get saline injections every month for the rest of my career. And this is going to be, you know, probably a pretty prime opportunity to try to find a long-term solution. So... Um, I just started consulting with a bunch of different surgeons and unfortunately elective procedures were shut down. So I had to wait eight weeks um, to go in for surgery. And those eight weeks were probably like the worst eight weeks of my running career. Cause yeah, for whatever reason, the pain was just like worse than it had ever been before. It's in both feet. So, you know, it's not like, you know, you're having one good step. It's like every step is horrible. And, um, but I was so bullheaded. I was like, I have to try to stay as fit as possible for surgery. Cause I'm going to have time off after surgery. So I'm just going to like do as much of these workouts as I can grind through these runs. I was absolutely miserable. Um, but yeah, luckily I was able to get into surgery on May 15th and it was funny too. Cause like most surgeons like refused to do both feet at once. And I was lucky enough to find um, my crazy surgeon in Phoenix. He um, himself had had a double hip replacement at the same time. And he was like, yeah, the doctor told me not to do it, but I did it anyway. And then I go in for surgery and it's like 30 minutes before I go under and he's sitting next to me and he's like, are you sure you want to do both feet at once? This is going to be really difficult and like brutal. And I'm like, um, <laughs> it is way too late to be having this conversation. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went for it and I definitely made it more difficult, at least on the front end of things. Just, you know, the first few steps I had out of the boots, I literally like fell backwards onto the couch because I, like I was so unstable. Um, just little things like that. Like I think it took a little bit longer um, the first couple months. But I'm so glad I did them both at the same time because, like, I wasn't going to try to, like, spread it out and lengthen the overall recovery time. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of the story. <laughs> I, yeah, got, so, I got to admit. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. I was going to say, so I, you know, I think, like, publicly on your Instagram and stuff like that, you kind of embraced the, you know, the double boot life. You posting Instagrams of you, you know, doing workouts and, you know, hanging out in your backyard and, and, you know, having a good time and, you know, doing the best you could, being positive with your double boot life. But 
I can imagine that there were some moments that were, you know, not so glorious and were frustrating and annoying. What was the, the most difficult part outside of, you know, not being able to run of, you know, the, the double boot life you had going on? Yeah, <laughs> I did try to embrace it. And I think there were so many moments where I was just like, especially on the bike, I was just like, kind of laughing at myself. Like, this is so insane. It's like, just kind of funny. And it was this almost like exciting challenge in a way like wow like you know this is really going to take up a lot of energy to figure out how to, how to deal with this um let's see i would say um well like walking is really hard in two boots um so that's one thing <laughs> um i really wish well obviously the reason why i did it was because of covid but if covid wasn't happening i was like this would have been a sweet party trick to like go out to the bars in these boots and like probably a bunch of people would buy me drinks. So that was unfortunate that I can do that. Um, and then the other thing, which is like probably a little bit TMI, but like in the middle of the night, I wouldn't sleep in the boots and it was like a huge ordeal to put them on and stuff and like walk to the bathroom. So I was peeing in a bedpan every night. This is the information we're looking for on this yeah. podcast. I yeah. mean, this is yeah. what the people want. So thank so you, you for sharing So you want to be that. a professional runner. <laughs> Might That's as well right. keep it real about, you know, <laughs> the stuff you don't see on Instagram. It's like pretty glamorous. Did you hold on to your boots? Because you could still use that now. Like, you know, some outdoor bars are opening up, I'm sure, in your area. Like, do you have it to use that as your trick to get some drinks? Yeah, yeah. They're up in the attic right now, but I'm definitely going to hold on to them. And the other thing that's awesome about them is um, just because I had to, the surgery was in Phoenix, so I had to fly home, obviously. Um, and the airport treatment was pretty nice, like mm. the wheelchair and just, you know, that whole thing. So I'm like, every time I go to the airport, I should just throw them on and somebody will push me right to my gate and they'll carry my luggage. <laughs> great so tip it's that it's like the old disneyland trick where people yeah you know, <laughs> tend to be injured or whatever but yeah we'll hold on to those in case we need them at some point <laughs> so i i gotta imagine kind of going back to you know you you run at bu you run your 5k pr and then a couple weeks later you go you kind of feel that pain again i got to imagine that's as as a runner i mean we i think we've all been there but as a pro runner somebody that's committed their career to doing this that's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world because you've proven that you can do the work you have the ability to mm -hmm. to perform in a way that you want to and you need to but there's just this little pain this this or not little pain but there's just a small thing holding you back from being where you want to be i got to imagine that's that's like an awful feeling Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty frustrating. Um, and I think not just in terms of it being unenjoyable to run through that pain, but it really got to the point where like, it was affecting me in workouts. And I just, I just wasn't able to do the same workouts that I was able to do. And so you go from like the best shape of your life, and feeling like you're on top of the world, and you're ready to like, tackle all these new goals. And then all of a sudden, I can't even finish workouts that should be like, I don't know, 75% effort for where I thought my fitness was. So I'm just like, now I'm seeing a digression in my workouts. And I know it's not because of fitness. It's literally because 
I like wasn't running normally. I wasn't able to push off the same way with my feet and that can really affect your stride and just like your mental energy and your physical energy. So all that combined just, you know, from the high, high to a pretty low, low. Um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely pretty challenging. So I hate to follow up with another uh, serious nerdy running question here because we don't do a whole lot of those, but you know, it's something I think about you you're running for, you know, BTC now. And obviously the women's program there is just, I mean, it's as elite as it gets, you're running with, you know, some of the best women on a global stage. And for a young runner like yourself, is that something that, you know, motivates you every day and is a positive thing for your confidence? Or is it, is it intimidating going to practice and, training and running you know with these girls who've been doing it for so long and you know you're kind of new to the club and new to the sport I mean where, where do you fall on that spectrum and how has that been so far for you I would say uh for much of well it's now almost been two years that I've been a yep. pro which is kind of weird too because it just feels like this past year didn't really happen and then the year before that was such an adjustment transition year so I do still feel like very new and inexperienced um but yeah that being said the last two years I probably fell more on the end of the spectrum of um being a little intimidated and having my confidence shot down a lot um and the race at BU was huge for me in that because I do feel like that finally made me really feel like I belong and um you know for the most part, I believe that I belong before that, but sometimes it's really hard when you don't have any validation from like a really big PR or a really good championship race. And, you know, it's like, I was always kind of in it and I was having solid practices. Um, but obviously there are those hard days where you completely fall off the train and you're just like, like, what am I doing? I don't know if I belong. Um, and just, the accolades that they all have and even the accolades they had in college that I didn't necessarily have. Like I was never even top three at an NCAA championship individually. So I think that kind of was always hanging over my head. Like, okay, I know that that doesn't mean that I'm not talented and I don't know how to race well, but um, just not really feeling like I had that A plus um, accomplishment in my back pocket to give me a little bit of confidence and validation would definitely be tough times but there are a lot of other times where I do think um it, it's obviously a very positive motivating force to have the best of the best around you all the time and I know that that brings the best out of me and that that's what's going to make me run my best ultimately so it's just learning how to leverage that to your advantage and to remember to focus on your own personal journey that everybody's path to success is super different I was always kind of a late bloomer in the sport. So just remembering that like my time is still kind of coming. <laughs> it's nice hearing like the inside story there because BTC has such like an aura around it for people like us that are just like fans of the sport and trying to cover the sport. You just think about them just a little bit differently for, for whatever reason than the other. And part of it is obviously has to do with the elite athletes. But do you get that like same feeling when you're stepping on a line of like, you know, a little more attentions on you because of the uniform that you're wearing a little bit more pressure on you that you have to be, you know, one of the, if not the best athlete at the race or in your event? Yeah, totally. And I remember the first 
raise I had in the Bowerman uniform was um, 2018 Outdoor USAs. And I was just like, I cannot F this up. Like, I cannot. <laughs> this is like, I had so much pressure just wearing that uniform for the first time. And luckily, like, I didn't feel like I totally messed that race up. Obviously, not too much pressure given it was my first pro race. But still, I had that feeling from the very beginning and, you know, almost more so now that I'm a little more established on the team. Um, but I also think kind of like I was saying, there's a lot of confidence with that comes with wearing that uniform, like looking, you know, to your left and your right at your teammates who are wearing the same uniform and just being like, yeah, like I train with them every day and they're going to bring it. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of how I felt in college too in, at Stanford. Um, I felt the same sort of like, I really, you know, have a lot of pride for the uniform that I'm wearing. And I obviously don't want to let these people down, but also it gives me a lot of confidence that I have this, you know, logo on my chest. Well, I'll say, I think that this is setting up to be the comeback story of the 2021 season, because, you know, you, you have this injury, you have this pain, you get a break from it. You, you get a glimpse of what you can be, what you can do. And then right after that, you know, the, the world falls apart. The trials are canceled. You get this almost blessing in disguise opportunity to take care of this problem, nip it in the bud. And now you're coming back and then this is going to be a big year. So I, I'm pumped. I hope so. Thank you. How do you feel now? Where are you at with everything? It looks like based on what we can tell from social media and stuff, you seem healthy. It, it feels pretty good. Yeah, I would say uh, maybe I'd give myself, I'm at like 90% of recovery. Um, there's still just a little bit more to go, especially with my right side. My left side is amazing, perfect almost. My right side, I'm just having a little bit of issues with my ankle mobility and the incision sites are kind of sore sometimes after workouts. So I wouldn't say it's like quite there yet. Um, pain wise, but I can tell that the surgery was extremely successful. Like I, I'm not feeling the same issues that I was having before. And I have started to integrate some track workouts in and feeling really good in those and surprise myself fitness wise, what I was able to keep with cross training. Um, I just think it's going to be a little bit still of a longer process, really building my mileage back to full volume. Um, just cause I think we're just trying to be really cautious about not doing too much too soon, but I'm very happy with where I'm at. We're at like four and a half months post-op already. So, um, yeah, it took a little bit longer to get where I wanted to be, but where I am now, I'm pretty happy with. I think you should consider another, uh, saline solution shot. I like, I'm a big junk science guy and to hear that they can just mix salt with water and like shoot it in your ankle and it feels great. So, um, I know it's temporary, but maybe that's the little edge you need. I'm rooting for the saline. I'm not yeah, sure that's no. drunk science trend. I it think sounds that's legitimate like science. science. Nessa <laughs> said she had no idea how it works. I have no idea how it works. Like, salt? I don't think there's salt water in you. <laughs> Trent's going to be like injecting salt into salt water into himself tomorrow morning. I've been He's having some calf issues. So maybe I'll put something together. Try it out. <laughs> so to, to take this off the rails a little bit here, because we've been talking for running for way too long, and uh, I can only talk running so much. So – most of the research that I do before these shows is like 
you know, you know, the most you can find is these, you know, college and professional runner like bios that they put on their websites. And so I don't know how accurate all these information, you know, is, but on one of the, your bios, it talked about that you are a skier. Is this true? Well, I was, yes. You were. Okay. That's good enough. So can you please explain to my co-host here, Trent, about the frustration of dealing with snowboarders on the ski slope between, you know, carving up all the good powder and just like sitting down in the middle of the trail. We've been trying to explain this to him for years and he just doesn't get it. It's honestly the worst. And I know that there are like certain mountains that are ski only. And that's Mm -hmm. when I finally ski again, that's where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) You ski people are so pretentious and obnoxious. You snowboarder people are are actually obnoxious. You say, I'll, I'll agree. We're maybe a little pretentious, but you're obnoxious. You guys <laughs> just My friend who does both is like to always trying to convince me that I need to try snow. Oh, did we lose you? Whoop, you're back. All right. You froze oh, back for a second. Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So on that, so Mike, Mike brought up that you're, you're a skier and, and yeah, I did, I did a lot of research and you put yourself out there a lot. You're very active on social media and you do a lot of podcasts. Um, so thank you for, for doing another one, doing one with us, but all the, you know, we try to get, like Mike said, try to get away from, from running at some point in these interviews. And most of the podcasts that I listen to kind of to prep, you only talk running. So what do you want people to know about you? What, what is your biggest hobby outside of running and potentially skiing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't ski. Haven't skied since. I shouldn't have gone in college, but I did go once in college. Um, but really, I haven't really skied since high school. So I, I can't really say that's a hobby these days. Um, let's see. I um, was pretty into horseback riding growing up, but that's also not really something I can do anymore or that. I don't know. Everything just kind of seems like don't risk it. Um, you just got to keep it a secret from Nike. Yeah, exactly. Um, I am like really trying to be better at golf. Like I really try, but it's definitely not like my hidden talent or anything. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I go to the driving range and, um, you know, work on what I can. And my dream would just be to be able to like play a really solid round of golf but I'm still really far off from that that's like my secret project kind of I'm really far off from that too yeah I was gonna say if I can ever play a really solid game of golf that'll be the best day of my life (laughs) yeah I think it's like a lifelong pursuit (laughs) (laughs) when you go to the driving range Vanessa are you the person that like methodically works their way up from, you know, like the nine down to the seven, and then you maybe get, you know, uh, uh, or are you going in with like the driver right away? The driver's not my favorite. I usually start with uh, just like a nine iron. And sometimes I just stick with one club almost the whole time. Like I'll just like hit most of them with the nine iron and then switch to the driver at the end for just a few balls. But like, I don't know why, but me and the driver don't really get along. So I kind of stay away from that. <laughs> that also makes you look better. I always feel like a goober when I'm out there and I like try to put down like a couple nines, couple sevens. And like, what am I doing here? Let me get the, let me get the big driver out and just like hit it as hard as I possibly can for an hour. 
I was kind of thinking when you were kind of running down your hobbies that you can't really do anymore, you know, skiing and the horseback riding. It's like, man, this sport can be a real drag sometimes right now. Cause I remember, I remember being, you know, we all ran in college and I love skiing. Like skiing is one of my, you know, favorite hobbies in the world. And yeah. that guilt you feel when it's like you're heading out to the, to the slopes and it's like well we can't let coach know that we're going skiing this weekend you got to keep it a big secret and then if you're hurting on on you know monday because you're sore from skiing you gotta keep that a, a you know secret from coach too it sounds like you did a better job of avoiding it in college and obviously now but i mean what a drag that like all the stuff that we love you can't do anymore because i mean this is your livelihood this is you know how you make your money <laughs> Right, right. I just tell myself that it's just going to be such a glorious return whenever I retire. For sure. (laughs) But yeah, there's so much stuff too, just like socially and weddings that are missed and family events that are missed and, um, you know, things you can't do on the weekends. So yeah, I mean, there are definitely times where I'm just like, geez, what am I doing? <laughs> but then it's like you go run fast and it's totally worth it. So for sure. What would you be what would you be doing if you weren't a runner or potentially after your running career? Mm, that's a million dollar question that I haven't figured out yet. So hopefully I'm running long enough to have time to figure out what the next <laughs> step is. Good answer. Good answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe you had figured it out yet because uh, doing the, the research, I saw you had a, a LinkedIn page. And I'm just so impressed by them, the athletes that we interview that have a LinkedIn profile <laughs> set up. It's like, I hate LinkedIn and stuff. Like, I don't know if you like use it too often to network in your, your athlete days, but good for you. You're on the path to like really succeed. <laughs> I love that you dug far enough to figure that out. <laughs> it's like on the first page of results. It's incredible. Okay. Um, yeah, I've had one since college. I like kind of used it more in college, but yeah, I was, I mean, I've kind of had an interest in, um, startups and venture capital and that stuff. Um, at least in college I did, but I really honestly have no idea if that's the route I want to take. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. We're uh, we're big fans of you and 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 Bowerman Track Club, and we're going to be cheering you on into twenty twenty one and the Olympic trials and all the good stuff that's going to happen next year. But we end every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right, down the home stretch, rapid fire questions. And uh, so, one of your latest posts on Instagram, yeah, like you said, you know, we're big research guys. We're diving into all the mediums to find the good stuff. One of your latest Instagram posts, you talked about your addiction to coffee. So your topic for down the home stretch is coffee. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. All right. First one, pretty straightforward. What's your order? Uh, always a latte, sometimes ice, but usually hot. Dunkin' or Starbucks? Oh, man. Starbucks. I'm from the West Coast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, do you ever, are you ever just drinking it black? No. No. <laughs> okay, opposite of that. What's your favorite weird milk? Like the almond, the soy, the oat is cool now. I hate all the weird milk. I stick to regular whole milk. Nice. Classy. Yes. How, how many cups a day are we averaging? Just one. Just one. Okay. Oh, that's better than me. Okay. That's yeah. way better than me. I went from like zero for a whole year though. So, you know, 
I have a low do tolerance. <laughs> do, do you ever mix in a decaf? <laughs> no. That's, <laughs> that's when you know, that's when you know the addiction's gotten too, too out of control when you mix in, we have to start mixing in decaf. That's a good trick. <laughs> Uh, sometimes like, especially in my younger days when I'd want to have a weird night, I'd get like a triple espresso at like 10 30, 11 o'clock. Do you ever do that before a night out? Strictly morning coffee only. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 one time I calculated the amount of money that I'm spending on coffee and I went on this big kick of like, I'm never buying another coffee, strictly making it from home. Do you ever make it from home or are you, are you always going out for your coffee? Yeah, I do. I have an espresso, so that's my go-to when I gotcha. make it home. Yeah. Nice. Mike, hit her with the last question. So I feel like there is one coffee cup in my house that for whatever reason, coffee just tastes better out of. Do you have a go-to coffee cup? Yes. Um, I'm like trying to think what it says. Uh, there's two cups that they're in Oregon and I haven't been four months besides a quick week trip or so so i'm like trying to remember what they even say but one of them says um i it's like i don't i don't sweat i sparkle and i think courtney frerick's got that cut for me and so i usually feel pretty good drinking that and then oh yeah that's what the other one says it says um i'm trying to be awesome today but i'm so tired from being awesome yesterday or something. <laughs> oh that's a great that's a great all right that's a, that's a, that's a great one to end on vanessa thank you so much for coming on this has been a ton of fun yeah thank you this is super fun All right, that interview with Vanessa Frazier is brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap boys. Look good, feel good, run good. And speaking of looking good, I don't think there's any way to not look good in the color scheme that Bell Lap's throwing at you with like their white, gold, and black. It's just super sharp, super fresh. Get there now. Hit up their Instagram page, their new website. Help out them. Help out the sport. Help out the athletes. You, you just got to do it. Win, win, win all the way around. All right, Mike. Why don't we, uh, why don't we get into a little personal podium? What do you got for us this week? All right. So, the, you know, we've been talking about it nonstop, probably to the point of, you know, nauseam at this point. But, you know, the weather's starting to get a little bit crisper. It's starting to get cooler. Uh, you know, it's getting to the point where you're going to have to start wearing more than just shorts and T-shirt out in your run. And with the, you know, announcement of a little bit of winter across the country, we thought we'd talk tonight about cold weather gear while you're running. So we're going to do a podium of cold weather gear. Uh, Steve, what's the order tonight? Oh, geez, you put me on the spot. I, I don't know here. Uh, let's go. Let's go. I feel like I haven't gone first in a little yeah, while. Yeah, so you, you, uh, I feel like you always overcompensate, so you yeah, go first. Yeah, so why don't we go, don't we go meet Mike Trent tonight? Because I'm right. pretty sure Trent went first last time. That was so, bullshit. <laughs> all right. So, okay, I'm going to – this might be a controversial first-round pick, but I know it's going to be picked at some point, and – 
it's like it's not necessarily my go-to cold weather gear, but it might be my favorite cold weather gear. So on the day where it's cold out, right? But you're just doing a shakeout. You're not doing a, a real run. You're keeping it, you know, maybe three miles or less. You throw on like your just go-to like sweatshirt and sweatpants, like nothing technical. You just have your go-to sweatshirt, like gray sweatshirt, gray sweatpants, and you go out there and you jog around in the cold. I feel like I'm Rocky in a, in a Rocky yeah, montage. Saying, you know what I mean? So it's like, outfit. you know, sometimes – Yes, we're going to get into plenty of technical running gear, but to me, like there's nothing better on that cold day when, when you're just going up for the shakeout and you got like, you know, the classic, you know, classic just gray sweatshirt on. Yep. I, I do like it. I, it's a risky first play, but I, I do like it. Um, so for me, I am a big headwear guy. Um, I have, you know, baby sensitive eyes so a little bit of sweat in my eyes and i'm done so i always got to be wearing some kind of headband visor hats something to keep the sweat out of my eyes so winter time i keep that going big beanie guy i think i have like 15 different beanies not i don't think any of them are like technical running beanies but i'm going out in some kind of beanie every single run i mean that is you if I'm going out in the wintertime and all I, I can only choose one winter gear, whether it's pants or, you know, a sweatshirt or whatever, I'm going beanie. Like I'll go in shorts and a t-shirt as long as I got my beanie. That's what I need. You got to keep the ears warm. Steve, as good as your first pick was as bad as Mike's pick was. I <laughs> yeah, totally I mean, love. Yeah. You the sweats are great. Like you beanie. said, you feel. You gotta you have even, the beanie. Oh my God. You feel like an athlete when you're in your sweats, right? It just is a good feeling to get out there. Wearing a beanie is for second graders, right? You need to get the headband, the warm headband that covers your ears, right? Or even like a buff is fine because when you wear a beanie, if you're going any more than, you know, uh, 30 minutes a mile, right? If you're not crawling out there, the top of your head gets way too hot. You start sweating, you know, and you're just a sweaty mess. The headband keeps the ears warm, right? Keeps your forehead just the right amount of warmth. I didn't even want that to be my number one pick, but it had to be said because the beanie, anyone that's wearing a beanie is a crazy person or they're just not even out there running, right? They're out there pretending like they're running, but they're just standing at, you know, the crosswalk waiting for the crosswalk sign to turn. They're just standing there getting cold. The headband is what you need in the winter. Friend, the demographic of people who wear the stupid headband. And so the headband he's talking about is like this super thick headband that comes down and like covers, just has like a little like, drop down like a like a like a u for the ears yeah the demographic of people who wear that headband are like 40 to 50 year old woman and trent fontanella those are the only people (laughs) that wear that headband that's it you just wait mike as soon as people realize you know how much better it is than a beanie you're gonna see it everywhere i don't think so moving on what's your second terrible pick so now I have to decide which of these top two I'm going to go with because I just had to throw that out there to correct the little correction on your, your terrible pick. All right. As a man, there's a certain part of your body that gets very cold sometimes you know, <laughs> during the winter months when you live in a place like New England. And I don't even know like what it is that I'm looking for, but everybody has that pair of shorts that keeps yourself warm, right? Because, you know, like... Uh, 
maybe maybe we're doing a little TMI, just like you know, Vanessa maybe gave a little TMI on, on stuff. I'll go as well. The tip can get so freaking cold. And so Christ. you need you need to have the right pair of shorts to kind of keep that warm. You can cut it if you need to. But don't I don't even know, it. like it's a thicker kind of like undercarriage of the short and it just keeps your core warm. It's so important. And everyone has that pair of shorts they know is a go-to when it's super, super cold. That, that was a much better answer. I like it. All right. So I'm, I'm torn on this second pick. So I feel like there's two very distinct directions I could go with it. And I think a younger me would have gone the opposite direction with what I'm about to go. You know, college me and more fit me. But now at this stage of my life, what I'm going to go with is running pants. And I'm not talking, you know, the tights, the spandex, you know, like the, you know, really technical looking stuff. I'm talking about like the really, you know, a little bit more baggy, just like classic black running pants with a little like four inch zipper on the bottom. Those to me are the most comfortable pants in the entire world. I wear those things around the house all winter long. I mean, I love them. And that's what I'm running in all winter long too. I can't do these spandex anymore. I can't, you know, pull on these skin tight things. I, it just, I, it can't be done. So the running pants, just the classic black running pants is what I'm going with my second pick. I can't believe this one slid to my second pick, but this is like, you know, and this is definitely like, I, I don't know if I can pull this off anymore. This was definitely in my, in my faster days, but my go-to in the middle of the winter, you show up to a race. I would never go long sleeve, go singlet arm warmers. You show up to the starting line in like one of those 15, 10 degree, just brutally cold days. You're making a start. You're making a statement from the starting line. Cause you're just like, no, I'm, I'm rocking my singlet. And the arm warmers, you know, they just make you feel like you're, you're Ray Allen, like, you know, hitting a fadeaway three with that, you know, <laughs> with the, with the, you know, the shooting sleeve. So got to love the arm warmers on race day. That's, that's my second round pick. Arm warmers I, take like 20 seconds off an AK. Yeah. No that's oh a, yeah. It's a great oh, yeah. 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 Makes you just feel faster. Look faster. Look good. Feel good. Bell lap track and feel good. Check it out. But, uh, for my last pick. So I was going to go, I was going to go with a second layer of uh of like of under armor spandex underneath the pants to but but trent already covered that i don't need to give any details there so but what i'm gonna do is on those brutal like those brutal new england cold weather long runs like you know there's been some there's been some some pretty bad days that you have to go out there and sun on a sunday and slug through you know 13 to, to 15 miles on the merrimack river you gotta you gotta be protected in all parts of your body and people often forget about this but when that whip when that wind is whipping down the river your eyes get like painfully cold they like freeze so people often forget about this when it's really cold out but you gotta throw a pair of sunglasses on to protect from the wind so that's that's gonna be my final pick i i just hate that pick so much i hate it um all right so my pick my last one um I think you guys will like it. It might be controversial in the sense that I don't even know if this is like a legitimate answer, but I'm going to go for it anyways. So I don't think I've ever been this guy. I don't think I've ever rocked this look because I just, I, I don't, I don't have it in me. I'm not that guy, but 
every time I see this look, I'm so jealous of it. And when you have like a zero degree day and it's just like disgustingly cold out, it is, you know, you step outside and you're immediately just in pain. It's so cold out. When the guy goes out in shorts, t-shirt, and then gloves, that's it. Just the only winter protection that they're wearing is just like a cheap pair of like Walmart gloves and then shorts and t-shirts. I just, every single time I see it, it makes me smile because they're acknowledging the fact that it's cold outside, right? <laughs> but they're not doing anything about it. I mean, you're, you're going to wear gloves for your hands as if that's like a solution to the cold. So I'm jealous of it. It's not me, but I just, it, it puts happiness in my heart when I see that guy running down the street in his shorts, t-shirts in just straight gloves. So that's my favorite thing. Agreed. That's a good one. That's a good Some one. people may think it's a hard to move. I think it's inspirational. I mean, yeah. It's great. All right. This last one that I'm going to take here is not a sexy one, but it's so important. And it, it, I know it's important because I often make the mistake when I'm just not thinking correctly. If it's snowing out, right, or, or there's snow on the ground or any kind of ice on the ground, you can't wear ankle socks. You got to have like a mid-calf on or at least a full ankle because how many times you come around a corner, you kick up a little snow ice, it gets in like between your running tight and then the shoe and then it sits there and it numbs you. And then in New England, it can be like a chunk of ice. It can cut you, right? Everyone's had like the cut Achilles that's like bleeding after because somehow you got ice in there and wedged in between your shoe and you're running on it for miles. And so it's just, it's a rookie move that I continue to make to this day, you know, several times in winter where I go out with little ankle socks on and I come back and the back of my ankles and my Achilles are just either numb or like cut up. So, so a nice pair of mid calves is crucial for the winter time. It's a great pick. Any honorable mentions? I had, I, this, this almost made my top three, but uh, I'm a big vest guy. Like I'm not, I'm not a big jacket guy in the winter. I like maybe, you know, a vest cause I'm a heavy sweater. I run hot. So the, you know, the, the vest keeps the core nice and nice and warm, but you also get the breathability of no arms. Big vest guy. Yeah. I like a, I like a little quarter zippy. You know what I mean? One of those little mm. pullover quarter zips. I do like that. They only go to such cold temperatures, but if you can, if you can make it happen this time of year, that's what you got to do. I want to shout out just people that wear mittens, like anyone that's wearing running gloves. We talk about the guy in the gloves and the t-shirt, but I feel like not enough people wear mittens. Mittens are so much warmer and such a better product. And when you're wearing gloves, it just seems kind of like a way, especially when you're running, right? Like what do you need your hands for? So to the mitten. Guys, I am so upset. We all missed the most obvious freaking answer. Damn it. Tube socks on your hands. Tube socks on your hands is by far the best winter running apparel in the history. If you see a guy wearing tube socks on his hands, that is a guy who has seen some stuff. That is a salty runner. I mean, that is the number one answer, and we completely missed it. And if I I show up to race and, you know, like I said, and I'm I'm wearing a singlet and, uh, you know, shooter sleeves – um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm making a statement, but when I see the guy with socks on his hand at the starting line, I say, that's the guy I want to party with after the race. Yeah, of course. 100%. That's the guy's going to beat you too. That guy, yeah, he's, he's going to challenge you. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
for sure. And he's most likely, you know, 15 to 20 years older than you too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So what I, I, you know, this is the question that comes around at uh, every, every time this year, but you know, I think you have to make a statement with the shorts. So this, you know, we gotta, you gotta rock the shorts. You know, I, I always try to rock it through November. I try to get through every single run in November without, without putting pants or tights on. What, what's your feeling on that? There's not a time frame for me. It's a, I do a run where I am completely miserable before I'll switch over to the shorts. So I'll wear the shorts. And even if let's say I go out for 45 minutes and that first 35 to 40 is freezing, but I finally warmed up for that last five and then it wasn't too bad. Then I'm putting shorts on again the next day. I mean, it has to be a brutal run and I have to suffer for it. I have to earn the pants, right? I have to be out there and I have to suffer through a freezing cold, brutal day in shorts before I'll let myself switch over. Dude, I love the pants so much. Like I am so comfortable in the pants that I will go way too early on the pants just because it, for me, it's not even like a, like a, a warmth thing. Like, Oh, I need this because now it's reached the, you know, a, a threshold of temperature to me. It's like, it's almost like, you know, we, we've talked about the pumpkin beer for me. It's like, Oh, it's running pants season. Like nice. I can like socially acceptably run in my running pants again. So I, I go way too early on the running pants. No. No, you gotta you gotta hold out as long as you can. What what's coming first? Are you gonna are you gonna put on running pants before you wear like long sleeves? Because there's the guys that will wear running pants and a singlet sometimes, no shirt or a short sleeve. Or are you, you gotta I mean, stay away from to those guys, first, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I like the, the guy that wears a t shirt and running pants, no, thank you. I do not. Yeah. So the, be, the, I, the only I, time I I'll be your friend. The only time I'll do that, I won't go out like for a run in that outfit. But that's like a race day thing right like when you're warming up for a race i'll often wear running pants and like a t-shirt or something like that because i'm just trying to like, talk keep about the legs, that for a second like, keep the legs warm can, can we talk about that yes i feel like that's like you know we talked a little junk science early i feel like that's the biggest myth going right the fact that you have pants on is gonna and you got a jog in pants versus no pants is gonna keep you injury free i'm not not buying it oh not it's, buying definitely it not, it's definitely not an injury thing for me it's kind of like what is a, it it's a um for me it's like uh using a donut in a batter's box right no i think it's the opposite i think that's like using a lighter bat and then getting up with a heavier bat because 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 i want my legs to acclimate to to the race temperature because if they're warm and you whip them off and you and and you're shocking the legs you're going from you're going from the warmth of the pants into the freezing cold weather, I feel like that's worse than than acclimating from the warm up to the starting line with no. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying on that, but I'm talking about like when I'm doing like stride outs in pants, you know, just like the pure weight of the pants, and then when I take those off and I'm the and I'm in my shorts, no, it, it makes a big difference. You take them off and all of a sudden you're in your short shorts and you just feel lightning fast. It's it's the it's you know it's the batter's box donut effect. I mean, I, but you see where I'm coming from, where I think I, no, that might I, yeah, be I get, the opposite I get, effect. I get the temperature thing for sure. It's, it's definitely not an injury prevention thing. It's, it's just a, you know, it's a feel, it's a, it's a feel type thing. I appreciate you making this argument with a straight face, Mike, you know, like you're like very serious. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a great argument. Why don't you put ankle weights on or something? If that's like, maybe yeah. Trent, you know what I, this is, this is, all right, I'll put it in terms that you can understand. Okay. Please do. It's like doing stride outs in like 
4X way oversized basketball <laughs> shorts that you've had since, you know, you were 12, right? You go out and you're doing these strides in these gigantic basketball shorts, and then you take them off and you're wearing your spandex or you're wearing your short shorts, you're going to feel fast and light. That's I'm what it's so swagged out in those basketball shorts that I'm just going to feel naked without them and I'm going to have to race in them. So I don't think it's going to work. Whatever. All right, boys, let's, uh, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? Yep. So uh, a couple episodes ago, I, you know, revealed to the world that I was just cranking through episodes of Gilmore girls. Uh, shout out Patrick Donovan for your support. And uh, <laughs> you know, just, just you know making making sure you let me know that you know you supported my decision to watch that show but unfortunately that show has come to an end and i'm at that awkward place now you know you always got to have some kind of show on the back burner of what you're going to be watching if you get you know got a night where you need to sit back and crank some netflix or something so i'm looking for uh the p2e family p2e community here let me know what's next on the docket for me right like what what am i going to spend my time my free time getting into uh give me something good give me something creative and uh yeah i just i need i need it i'm in that awkward in between stage here mike how long did it take you to crush gilmore girls uh (laughs) not very long yeah we don't need to we don't need to go down that rabbit hole now do we john what do you got people on the bell lap Nobody wants to hear it, but I just have to bring it up anyways. I kicked Mike's ass in fantasy football this week. And, you know, it just would be I'd be remiss not to mention it. So I just want to say sorry, Mike, for for beating you so badly. Uh, the team really came to play. I'm proud of my players, and that's the last you hear me talk about my fantasy football league until I beat Mike again. But. So we're gonna bring this episode full circle, and uh, don't look now, but the Red Sox are in the lead. So if you listen to me you would be currently on pace to make some money. So, other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. I, I'm on. We can break that it was down. The, we, it, it, it was, was the, right the right call. Right play call. It was 100% the right play. Call. Let me ask you this: If we ran any other play and it didn't work, we would all be sitting here being like, "Let camera." It was 100%. Do you like, do you, you remember do, do you do you remember a few years ago when we did the fade to Gronkowski in the corner of the end zone and everybody's oh, yeah. like, "You're on the one yard line. Why don't you why don't you run the ball?" You have you have a guy that's 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 been running and been getting that one yard with ease. Like for two games, you run that fucking play. You run that play. It didn't work, but but it was the right call. I thought it was too obvious. Don't forget what I told you.